and welcome to Shakespeare, the official Lion Face Productions podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we return to our twofer special as we continue to discuss King Henry VI, Part 1 and 2. For reasons that will become relevant as uh, the show goes on, it is important to note that we did record this on May the 4th. Um, It is uh, May the 22nd as it comes out, so the Star Wars references are going to be less timely, but still relevant somehow. If you live in Northwest Ohio and would like to get involved with our organization, be it to act, direct, or anything else theater-related, please reach out to us at facebook.com forward slash lionfaceproductions. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash Shakespeare and at ShakespearePod. And now, on with the show. When we were watching through Brooklyn Nine-Nine to get caught back up, like to get caught all the way up, because now we're like caught all the way up. Um, we're seven episodes behind. I am two seasons behind. Like, but the episodes are short, so we can watch like two or three, and then you know, it. be time for bed. But you know, and like, uh, we have to, especially now that they've canceled it and decided not to have a, not any more seasons of it, we have to watch the third season of Santa Clarita Diet. Right. Yeah, Which even is, Netflix is starting to cancel stuff. Like, that's, and that one, good. though, I mean, oh, come on. Timothy Oliphant is so delightful in that. Well, he had to go back to make that one. Yeah, but he didn't have to. Like, you know what uh, should have been canceled without getting a third season? Henry? Henry the Sixth. <laughs> All right, so, a lot, two plays, yeah. stuff yeah. going Wow, that was a yeah. real like, real quick cold open right yeah, into a bet right segue. Right into it. <laughs> I mean, we can keep chit-chatting, and that was just too good to pass. No, no, you had to. No, it's fine. We can go in. We can talk about what we're here for. This is the Shakespeare Podcast, and we're going to actually introduce ourselves Right, yeah. I'm Beth Roars. I'm Cassie Greenlee. I'm I'm, Chase Greenlee. I'm going to say my name eventually. (laughs) All right. I'm still... We're we're just off tonight, because you're... I'm always third. You guys, like, swap... When yeah, you sometimes, yeah, yeah. But so, I'm third and Chase is fourth, and then tonight it's been it's been off. It's, it's okay. Been weird. It's fine. Well, it's because we're doing we're doing the one and only <laughs> so, Shakespeare twofer. It is a two for one special. It is as we recorded. It is May the fourth. Yes, and in honor of May the fourth, <laughs> we I'm, have some pins up on the board here that, that were there previously <laughs> to starting recording that Beth created. It's true. So when I got here today, we were talking about Star Wars Day, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to link all of these Henry plays to to the Star Wars trilogies, because I think you can. And so I made it work. And so Phantom Menace is Henry IV, Part 1, where little Prince Hal is little Annie, where he's out there with his weird friends doing weird stuff, running pod races when he shouldn't be. Does that make... Who's who's John Falstaff? I'm pretty sure he's Jar Jar. Yep. Uh. Yep. He's Jar Jar. Jar Jar Falstaff? Jar Jar Falstaff. Attack of the Clones will continue that Jar Jarness with Henry IV Part Two. Battles, but why? There's a lot of battles in Attack of the Clones, and most of them don't do anything really at all. Except for give you the Wookiee homeworld. That's about it. So, Attack of the Clones is Henry the Fourth Part Wookie 2. Wookiee homeworld was in Attack of the Clones? Man, it's been one time. Yep, Very briefly. That. Very briefly. I saw, okay, well, I saw Yoda, Attack of the Clones Yoda, when it came out in Yoda, theaters, and I Yoda is haven't seen on the Wookiee homeworld since. So, Revenge of the Sith. This is out of order. But Henry the Sixth Part 1, when the bad guys are winning... You got Henry the Sixth Part One up there twice. I do. Yes. I'm oh, aware. okay. That's deliberate. Also, see how it says also? <laughs> also. Yeah, so whenever our enemies are winning, that's when we've got Henry the Sixth Part One in there. So, Empire Strikes Back, also Henry the Sixth Part One. Because the enemy, the bad guys are winning. So, A New Hope, Henry the Fifth. I can yeah. get behind that. Victory of the Underdog. Yeah, I can get behind Victory that. Victory of the Underdog. Return of the Jedi. Is Mary Wise of Windsor because Ewoks are silly. <laughs> right, am true. I wrong? No, this is true. Ewoks There's are a silly. love story that we are all like, hey, uh, okay, fine. 
Why not? Well, and, and the funny thing is, is like people got so up in arms about the Ewoks because it's like, uh, you're catering to kids, blah, 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 and you're just trying to make money, and George Lucas is like, I've always been trying to make money. <laughs> <laughs> I already got you. I gotta get them now. Like, Have you watched American Graffiti? I was looking for money then too. He's like, I already was always been, like, all of Star Wars has always been catered towards towards young people and kids and stuff like that. All right. And so, so yeah, George Lucas is like, yeah, of course I'm trying to make fucking money. I gotta eat. I got a Skywalker Ranch. I got stuff. This ranch don't pay for itself. That's yeah. right. Well, it does. Well, now it does. But. All right, so Force Awakens being Henry the Sixth Part Two, uh, the South England will burn people, which is technically Henry the Sixth Part One, um, but there's also lots of weird like magic stuff, kind of necromancy. What Some is necromancy? Yeah, necromancy. Light Whoa. necromancy. All right, so necromancy. We, we, definitely, we definitely get Han Solo going. Yeah, all that weird voodoo, hoodoo, whatever stuff. It's all real. Um, and that definitely takes place in Henry the Sixth Part Two. The Last Jedi is, is Henry the Sixth Part Three, which we'll get to next time, uh, where we're all left slightly unsatisfied. See, I wasn't though. <laughs> I wasn't. I enjoyed that. One. I, I thought Last Jedi was one of. The... I loved it as well, but I couldn't wait for the next one because I'm slightly unsatisfied. As in, could you guys have given me like another like hour into that day? Because I'm pretty sure some great stuff happened. Just like. 20 more minutes. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I can see that. I can well, see that. slightly unsatisfied. And then um, the new Star Wars, which is uh, Rise, Rise of the Skywalker, Skywalker. Um, is just being done with the Henrys because we're looking forward <laughs> to it. <laughs> so that's how I broke all these down. So Rise of the Skywalker is Richard III then. Yeah, because I'm just ready to be done with the Henrys. That's all. And does that make Henry VIII like the Star Wars Christmas special? Yes! <laughs> Pretty sure King John is the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> yes, yeah, King John is the Star Wars Christmas special. Richard II is Solo. It's a prequel. Yeah. Mm. And the, or it's, yeah. yeah. You know what, Henry III... I'm actually, gonna, Richard I'm II might be to, Rogue One. No, mm. I'm going to give that one to Richard III, because we all like it. We know it's tied into the same universe. We like it a lot better than most of the rest of them. Well, Rogue One is... And every... Oh, I don't. I can't do spoilers for it. Yeah, Rogue One's my favorite Star Wars movie. I love Rogue One. It's real good. Um, well, I think Rogue One's been out long enough that I don't think we're spoiling anything if we talk about it. Yeah. Everybody knows what happens in Rogue One. You know what happens going into it, unless you're my wife. Yeah. So <laughs> my wife did not know. Rogue One mm. is definitely Richard the Third, where everybody you were rooting for dies. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. So well, and I love Last Stands anyway, and so Rogue One. I mean, it's it's the magnificent seven in Christmas space. Special is all of the stuff that you were like, why did that get written? King what? John. King John. Richard II must be solo then, because you know it's a prequel. Well, it's okay, okay. And just like King John, we were and like, it's got Henry Bolenbroke in it, and you know, <laughs> King John, we're like, mm, should have just been a movie about Robin Hood, but it's not. Or it could have been about Richard, but it's not. So it's, it's about actually about what? Henry. It's actually about Henry Bowling, bro. It's a why. Richard the Second is all about that. King John definitely Star Wars Christmas special with B. Arthur. With, I forgot. B. Arthur plays King John. I just uh, remember the singing. The, I remember the experience of watching it more than anything else. But Any what's, specific moment of it. What's Henry the Eighth? Henry VIII is, is a love story. Is it the Clone Wars? No. The it's TV. the cartoon. The, 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 the Disney, the oh. Disney Clone Wars yeah. cartoon. No, no. Because it's good. Yeah, better than you think. It's better than you like, think it would be. I think it's got to be the... What was that one? Was it the Resistance? Oh. Star Wars Rebels? Star Wars Rebels, Rebels. Mm. yeah. I've heard that was also pretty yeah. good. Rebels, Rebels was good as well. But again, you're like, it's not necessarily part of the same series. The Resistance is the one that you're like, I know that Poe Dameron shows up every once in a while, and they like to throw the people that we know in it, but is it really? Mm, yeah, whatever. So I, that, don't, I don't know that one at all. So that is all of the Star Wars, if if they if they were tied to if they were tied the Henriette, which they're not. Which there, there's no great actual connection. 
Is Star Wars an adaptation? No. Okay, (laughs) Star Wars is an adaptation. However, it is an adaptation of Dune by Frank Herbert and not an adaptation of Shakespeare. Of Shakespeare, okay. No, it's not an adaptation of Dune in any way. On a different podcast, we'll go into Frank Herbert's Dune. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but only like you. You're like the only person I know that actually likes Dune. Well, have you read it? No, because I knew you. (laughs) So, therefore, I didn't have to. But Luke Skywalker is Paul Atreides. Ah, all no, right. it's Star Wars is, and Dune are both. They follow the hero trope from you know, like it's all Joseph Conrad and Greek mythology and everything like that. You can't say that one is a. The only reason I could say one is is because of the exact like it's like a. Do you remember when Star Wars borrowed from everything? It's also it's, Flash Gordon. It's, it's true. It's, uh, it's Paul. Yeah, it's pulp. It sci-fi. Is, it is pulp. But Which Dune stole heavily from. Remade Psycho, and it was a shot-for-shot remake. The same thing happens with New Hope. Except it was made before the movie Dune. Hey, guys. The book was written. Um, not for nothing. But it is 11.18 p.m. That's All true. Right. All right. And this is the Shakespeare podcast. That's right. We All can't right. argue about And Dune. not... Star Wars Dune podcast. Anyway, so we did we did it. We at least the Star Wars thing because of being because made it's May the Fourth. We had to do that. So let's talk about. Do we want to talk about language? Yeah, we have a couple pins up next to our language pin. All right, so that deal with um, why is it rhyming? We've gone so, through the whole play. So this is actually the second play. No, it's the first. Or no, sorry. One. Yeah, this is this is it's in the, it's in Henry six one. Henry six one. We've gone through this entire play. We've gone through four acts of this play, so or three and a half acts of this play. These two plays together, plus once we add the third one in, they are very disjointed. It actually ties into our second pin, and it's something that I think is. Uh, um, so, when you look at the rhyming, and then also the all of a sudden switch for Joan of yeah. Arc. But, okay, so so this is my thing. We've gone through four and a half... some of this rhyme. Four and a half acts of this play. In your standard, everybody's speaking in verse, they're speaking in blank verse, and a pentameter, and then all of a sudden, we get to this scene with Talbot and his child, young John. And it's not even at the beginning of the scene. It's literally like halfway through the scene for no, in the middle of a line. Like we're going along and then all of a sudden, John, the world will say he is not Talbot's blood that basically fled when noble Talbot stood. Fly to revenge my death if I be slain. He that flies will so will ne'er return again. If we both stay, we both are sure to die. Then let me stay and father do you fly. And they continue rhyming. Because they would have said, they would have said blood like blood. Yeah. But they continue, they continue rhyming for that entire scene. And then they get into the next scene, which is also Talbot and his son. And the rhyming fucking continues. Ooh. And then you know it's bad we get into when says, we get into fuck the it. next scene four point seven and he's still rhyming and then when his son dies he stops rhyming and like I don't well, know maybe maybe I could maybe I could find some kind of reasoning in that it's it's only the scenes where Talbot is talking to his son and his son starts it and then Talbot picks it up and then when his son dies the rhyming so stops. It's like his son but came it's still dumb. Like, if you're not rhyming I can't hear you. <laughs> That's rhyming. my headcanon for it now because it's completely like edit- so, when Shakespeare rhymes in other plays there's a reason for it. It's the lovers in Midsummer. They're yes. speaking in rhyme. It's Romeo and Juliet it's, it's, and their interactions. They're speaking in rhyme. But this is this is so oh, it's so I was this, reading like, it. So let's 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 take a look for a second at And this is the the, pin. the authorship of this. Yeah. So there is This is the other pin yeah, by the way. There's language. evidence that this series is Shakespeare's first written so maybe not first release, but the first, first things written. he wrote, so, along with along with Titus Andronicus. Anybody who's ever written a book or a play knows that they're going to workshop it with your buddies. 
So his buddies at the time Kit are Marlo. Kit Marlowe and a couple other that are rolling around. Yeah. But Kit Marlowe often rhymes, especially in inappropriate times. <laughs> Kit Marlowe also does a lot of the darker, like, witchy-witchy stuff. And also things like we when we talk about with Titus, a lot of the the blood what? and gore and mm-hmm. stuff so, like that. So these kind of huge flips that we see where we're like the beginning of this play all the way up till this rhyming and then Joan getting caught. And then but when Joan comes in, Joan starts rhyming. Mm-hmm. So she's never rhymed before. Now she's going to start rhyming. And now she starts rhyming. Well, that's, that's, and so then Bernie actually, starts rhyming. And so it's, it's one of the only times where, where an authorship comment can be made that I'll actually take seriously. Yeah. Is in some of these very early works by Shakespeare, we're talking Titus, yeah. Henry 6-1, Henry 6-2, Henry 6-3, where they're super early in his career where he hasn't yet made a name for himself. Kit Marlowe, however, has. And he's like a, a mentor to Shakespeare. You can feel the influences of you other writers can. in this. And, even you, and, and, and it may even have been parts where, like, say Marlowe's like, ah, oh, no, this is how you gotta do it, bro. And he fucking writes out some shit and gives it to Shakespeare. And Shakespeare's like, fucking word for word, takes it down. And there, well, and Burbage at the time would have been helping to complete anything that needed to be done quickly to get put on stage. So here like, we have, yeah, we're trying to we're trying to get this fucking company going. Come on, right, motherfucker! Right. Get so we've got shit. beautiful, eloquent stuff, great speeches. Joan of Arc's got a great speech that's used for monologues yep. all the time. Yeah, and we get speech. towards Act Four, the end of this play. We need to get it done. It's got to go up. You write this scene, you write this scene, you write this scene. And that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. And and this rhyming bit, this is very close to some Burbage shit, too. Yep. Yep. So I wouldn't even, like, I would feel pretty comfortable being like, Burbage? Yeah. And the way that he has written women in the past, when we, when you look at his... Got his hands on the Joan of Arc shit. Yeah. Yeah. And And I think, but I, I agree completely because it's just, it feels so... It it doesn't feel like Shakespeare's voice. Well, and Henry, the and Henry, the these the Henry plays, he these Henry the plays Bush. are part of what established Shakespeare as a playwright. Yeah, because they're so early in his career, and they were part of what made him as a playwright. Yeah, and because I these would have been see that. As, as much as as much as we're not huge, but these would have been wildly popular. Oh goodness, mm-hmm. yes, because there are people. Everybody knows who these people are. When they were first everybody released, knows. yeah, everybody yeah. knows about about uh, Joan of Arc, Joan of Arc, and the War of the Roses. Because the fuck, the War of the Roses was just over a hundred years before this play was written. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. So we're talking but, two generations. Yeah, but I'm I'm sitting there reading this play, and all of a sudden we're in rhyme, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? And it was very. I was pretty tired when I was reading this, and so it took me. Like it made your brain It go. made my brain go, what is happening? Well, Where did Dr. Well, yeah. Seuss come into this? Well, yeah, because, I mean, the War of the Roses, I mean, well, Henry VI is crowned in, in 1422. Yeah. The War of the Roses ends in, like, 1485 when Henry VII is crowned. And this play was supposedly written in, like, 1591. So, 1591 back to 1485 or whatever. That's barely over 100 years. Yeah. You know, so like their great grandpa had, you know, you know, was alive whenever, you know, that stuff was still going on. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I completely agree with that. Um, but it does, it feels very much like when I was in middle school, I was in a, a program where we were writing our own play and we split it up. And yeah. so, like, everybody who was in the group, like, had a scene. Like, we had the plot outline, and we're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, you go write this scene, and I'll write this scene, and I'll write this scene. And when you put it all together, the whole everybody, thing, it just feels, like, so awfully disjointed. Everybody's voice is different. Because, yeah, you could tell very clearly that, like, a different person wrote this scene, and a different person wrote this scene. And that's what the end of this play reads like. So I do really like that idea of, 
we need to get this play finished. Let's get this shit done. Like son. you gotta stop rewriting. We gotta just have stuff to perform tonight. So Yeah, we got we're like <laughs> we're putting this on this weekend. Yeah, so it's like here, Burbage, you go write this scene with Joan of Arc dying. Yeah, finish, like her death finish scene. Finish that scene. Marlo, you write the death scene with John Talbot and his son. Yeah. Well and, man. Yeah, it, and going into the next play. So if you were to Let's say you go see these plays three days in a row. Like, play one, play two. Fuck you, Wagner, that shit. Nine hours sitting (laughs) in the theater. Fifteen hours sitting there. Mama doesn't Wagner anything. Maybe Lord of the Rings. But yeah, like 15 hours of sitting in the theater, you get through all three Henrys right here. But you... Henry VI Part One feels more like the other Henrys Mm -hmm. in the way it's written. Henry the Sixth Part Two feels a lot more like Titus and Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, not not only in its content but in there, its style. There's a lot of evidence that these were not written chronologically. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's quite possible that he wrote six two. So maybe first. maybe that's our other link back to Star Wars is that those really <laughs> written out of order. Written in order either. Um, but no, like, there's a lot of evidence that the, they were not written chronologically. So there's, a, there's there could quite possibly have been that he wrote 6-2. And then went back and wrote 6-1. And six then one. went back and wrote 6-1 after he had a little bit more seasoning and stuff like that. But then, you know, he still had to get some help from his friends well, and to it finish makes, it. That that makes a lot of sense, too, because you start out 6-1 without a Henry VI. Yep. We start out with mm-hmm. he's a baby. But his voice, Shakespeare's voice, is stronger in the beginning of 6-1 than he is throughout 6-2. And it's as if somebody was like, yeah. hey, you try to play about Joan, the, Joan of Arc. How would I work that into anything? Well, I mean, you're work in the Shakespeare Cinematic Universe. Why don't you take that War of the Roses play that you've been working on and you fucking do a, like, uh, add some shit to the beginning? Oh, I got too much shit. No, I got, I can't just add it to the beginning. That'd be like an 18-hour play. Yeah, make it into three. Well, and what I think is really interesting... Just cut it into pieces. Um, I have the Norton anthology tome. Um, and the way that these three plays, they're not listed as Henry VI Part 1, 2, and 3 in here. Um, the first one is called the first part of Henry VI. A lot of the times, yeah. Yeah, but the second part has the second part of Henry VI in parentheses, but the main title that it gives is the first part of the contention of the two famous houses of York and Lancaster. Yes. Which is an unwieldy title. Really? A little bit. Huh. It doesn't roll off the tongue. It's probably the, better in Middle English. Does it not fit on a marquee? Shakespeare is not Middle English. <laughs> You're fired again. You if you, fire the if you want, guy. we can start speaking and in then Middle English. Just, I can pull it up. I'm sure you can. And just looking ahead, Norton's um, title for Henry VI Part Three is The True Tragedy of Richard, Duke of York, and the Good King Henry VI. Mm-hmm. So, so clearly... So we, we may have done as, this. We may have done this in like not the correct chronology. Pairing. Well, pairing. We maybe should have done Henry six well, one and I, then the, two the and reason, three the together. Reason I, the reason yeah. I suggested doing one and two is it together, because one is <laughs> no. It's actually that of of the three of them, Henry six three or three Henry six as it's often listed stands on its own better. Okay. Because they're called, well, they're called, it's... No, no, I'm following They're you. often listed as... Just because it instead made my of, head squelch. Instead, instead of Henry VI Part 1, it was usually 1 Henry VI, and then 2 Henry VI, mm-hmm. and 3 Henry VI. But, you know, Henry Henry VI too leaves us on this cliffhanger of, we gotta go find Henry. Mm-hmm. He's off somewhere else. He's riding a big like... red dog back to London. <laughs> He the son of Big Red Dog. He doesn't know he's not the king. Who's going to tell him? We'll oh, no, Baron's driving. How can that be? <laughs> we'll find out in a very, very special episode of Henry VI. <laughs> Next week. But, Next no, it's, and, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of evidence that suggests he wrote maybe two and three even before he mm-hmm. went back to one. 
because of the way, especially with the titles in the Norton anthologies, yeah, the, yeah. because of the way they're titled. Now, two is much more interesting. Oh, it's one. far more interesting than because one. Because now we've got witches. Like, well, yeah. no, we had witches before. No, we had someone who was bewitching. <laughs> well, we also had, we also had unless Talbot, you're talking about the great the great had, warlock of Talbot. We had Talbot who was warlocking people. <laughs> I'll be warlock you. I'll be warlock the shit out of her later. That got weird. <laughs> that got real weird. It was weird to begin with. Yep. But anyway, no. So yeah. Um, but this one, yes, this is like Henry the Sixth Part Two is like the like. Proto Mackers. It really is, and and it's because you, have, but you know, because like you have you have Gloucester, and you have his wife, who is like, yeah, you're going to be king, motherfucker, and it's just like a Lady M Mackers situation, except for Gloucester <laughs> is like, no, he actually tells her no, <laughs> unlike Mackers, unlike Mackers. Um, but yeah, this is like it's like a, a Proto Mackers because you have you have witches and. Spirits yeah. and you know, so which is which sets it apart in a weird way from the other histories that he's written because normally his histories are are pretty based in in fact in fact and in this Boring. is the real world. Yeah, well, they're they're, and, they're based in based fact in, with based a, in fact know, yes based with in with fact. an artistic license. Taken. Yeah. And this one has a lot more artistic license. And it's like, what? this one you're yeah. going along and you're watching, you're like, okay, okay, oh, oh, and now we're summoning demons. So okay. We switched from the History Channel over to Sci-Fi. Well, we went to H2. <laughs> it's like, this is the Ancient Aliens this episode. Is <laughs> yeah, Henry Henry 6-2 is, so, is the Ancient Aliens episode. Once, once I got done... With it's like you were watching Modern Marvels, and now all of a sudden it's Ancient Aliens. Henry Part, the... Henry the Sixth Part Two. It reminded me of one of my favorite lines from uh, Shakespeare in Love, where um, little John Webster is shown like uh-huh, out there. Yeah. I liked his early bloodier stuff because yeah. he would go on to write The Duchess of Malfi. Yes, um, but this is the early bloodier stuff. Yeah, well, and that's like that's why I say like Titus is often attributed to be his very first mm-hmm. play. So we've got a lot of first plays, and I as we've gone through these, every time I, we're, I'm doing research on the play, like what order was this written in, what year was this written in? Every once in a while, we come up with most likely his first. A lot of lasts. We've done a couple of mm-hmm. plays. They were like, this is the last. Well, so yeah, there's a lot of times like this never, one or this one could be the last one. Uh, then, uh, yeah. We'll never know, of course. Shakespeare but... Time Machine. Yeah, Shakespeare Time Machine. It's my favorite episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> it's like Hot <laughs> Tub Time Machine, but Shakespearier. And yeah. less sexy time. Oh, you know what? No, it was a bunch of Hot Tub Time Machine was a bunch of dudes in a hot tub. I don't think there was a ton of sexy so, time happening. So we may have watched different movies. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch the Cinemax version. <laughs> I really gotta discontinue my service to Cinemax because, according to Ryan, I watch nothing but softcore porn. I believe it. <laughs> We're not here to judge. It's softcore porn and K dramas. That's all I got. That's you like porn. Game of Thrones? That's softcore porn. Oh my god! Yeah, I was trying to. Never mind. All right, go ahead. All right, but I mean, I think the the idea of this being an early play of his is kind of borne out. By the language being not as sophisticated and not as, and not as consistent as yep. it is in future plays, like he's still finding it's rough traps. his voice, right? Yeah, he's like, learning who he like is. As a my early writing projects are horrific and should never see the light of day. And God help me, if four hundred years in the future somebody's found them and decided oh, to publish my them, my mom found one of my old poetry books. <laughs> Oh no, no, it was no. terrible. It was like junior high too. Oh, I found no. some of Ryan's poetry that like if you go back thirty years when we were both in college, I found some of Ryan's Thirty poetry. years? <laughs> Jesus Christ, you've aged me a lot. I found some of Ryan's old poetry. Like, I still have some of that. Okay, that was side side conversation. So, I had two of my students in the library today, and one of them just graduated last year and the other one is ten. And they were chatting over at the computers and I was at the desk listening in on their conversation and the 10 year old pulls out her phone and uh, the 19 year old was like, 
Is that a smartphone? You have a smartphone? How old are you? Ten. I get a smartphone until I was 15. Kids your age. And I'm sitting there going, I'm not going to break in. I'm not going to break in. I'm not going to break in. I didn't have a cell phone <laughs> until after I dropped out of college. Yeah. <laughs> I had to That's buy. That's when dropping out of college kids. I, I had to buy my own fucking cell phone. And then, and then the 19-year-old said, when I have kids, they're not getting smartphones until they're 16. If I had to suffer, so do they. And I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get involved in this conversation. Sweet summer child. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I personally don't see a reason for a kid that doesn't drive to have a phone. Who the fuck are you calling? You know me. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You know me. Like, you... my kids want, Michael, my six year old, wants to carry my phone around. I'm like, no. What are you going to do with it? You're just going to watch videos on it. You've got a tablet. That is mine. Don't forget, that's mommy's tablet. <laughs> but yeah, if you're just going to watch some videos, you don't need a fucking phone. Who give are you me, calling? But give me my phone back. I, I need it to play... I'm not, I'm not I mean, calling. I don't watch K-dramas. I'm not calling people either. But still... I, I'm sitting in the back room watching K-dramas on lunch. Why... Why do you have to call me out like that? <laughs> she feels seen. I don't feel seen. I feel attacked. <laughs> I at her next I'm, time. Just because we work together and you know what I do. Yeah, she, and I know how you spend your lunches. He's putting you on blast. I spend my lunches napping. You did spend your lunches napping. I mean, I can't. There's not. There's that. there's not enough room at my new branch to nap, and it's really. I annoying. don't even want to talk to you about room at branches. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So going on. All right. So let's. Let's okay. Let's so, move on to a different pin so that we're not here for seven years. Act four. Oh, Act four of Talbot versus Henry the Fourth. Okay, so we get into this. I want this is Henry the Sixth, Part One. Yes. So Talbot and Talbot's son are coming in asking for aid. And who's Riney. gonna and Riney. Who's gonna give aid? Where's aid gonna be sent? You're not sending aid, and now we've got these two heroes. They're rhyming. I know. The two heroes that are going out into the field who have been begging for aid, and they get a father and a son begging for aid, um, and they die because no aid is sent. And it's very reminiscent to me of yes. Henry IV, Part One, where we've got the father being asked for aid from the son going out, there's no aid given, and everybody dies. Mm-hmm. So they're... Very parallel scenes. Yeah, this yes. very parallel scene. Aside from the rhyming. Aside from the rhyming. But again, we've got a father and a son who are... The the son can't provide aid. The father can't provide aid. And and so here we've got heroes that are dying on the field because other people are yeah. infighting. There's no support. There's no structure to the fight, to the war, to the army. No one's really leading anything. So... Everything well, it's because that, Richard and fucking Somerset are fucking right. dickbags. But it means that everything that Henry V did in the middle. Goddamn Plantagenets. So we start off with all this infighting and people aren't following orders, following plans. There are no plans. Henry V is like, you know what? I'm actually a wunderkind when it comes to battles. Let's go fuck them up. And then... He dies, and we're back to there's no structure, there's no leadership, and everybody's dying again. Well, because the Grand Old Duke of York, he had 10,000 men. He marched them up a hill that was nowhere near where Talbot was fighting. <laughs> I thought he marched them back down again. <laughs> yeah, that's because there was <laughs> nobody up there to fight. Back. Nobody up there to fight, because he was nowhere fucking near Talbot. But that's how it And runs. that's when Somerset goes... Well, what? You, you told me you, you were going to be there. Yeah. So, there is all of this one-upmanship to impress a king and it ends up being the only person who knows what the fuck they're doing. The only hero that we see... Gets murdered. Gets murdered. Because Talbot is, like, the MVP of this play. Oh, yeah, he's the and, MVP and of the whole like, fucking basically, war. Basically, you could... Who was the... Who was the... Well, Bolingbroke was the... Was the Henry... Was Henry the Fourth. So who was... Who was the... Guy who died? Hotspur. Hotspur. So here we've got Hotspur and Talbot bookending yeah. Henry V with but, the same same bullshit. Like different, the, same the, bullshit, different day. There's two there's two stories really going on in Henry four one, Henry six one, Henry six one, 
Um, there's the less interesting story of this War of the Roses. The start of the War of the Roses. And then there's, like, the actual interesting part, which is Joan of Arc versus Talbot. Which is Talbot, yeah. get into, like, shenanigans with, like, ha-ha, I've won the day. No, ha-ha, I've won the day. So, yeah, the the Talbot-Joan of Arc play would have been fantastic. until Somerset and York fuck it all up. And when we get to back to Henry IV Part One, wouldn't you have rather watched the Hotspur play instead of tennis balls? That well, tennis balls is Henry V. I thought that was Henry IV. No, we, there's too many Henrys. <laughs> Hotspur, oh Hotspur. Was, I would have rather watched Hotspur, the Hotspur play. Well, Hotspur was Talbot and Richard II. I would have rather watched the Hotspur play because that's when Bowling broke and. Yeah. And Hotspur, and like that was when they took when they when they just deposed Richard II. Yeah, I would have rather watched that play than what actually happened. Just like I would have rather watched the Joan of Arc play. Joan of Arc. Yeah, but that was where Mortimer came in, who came in to fuck everything up. Fuck Mortimer. Six one. So Mortimer. Because Mortimer's like, oh, guess who's back? I'm gonna fuck everything up from the Tower of London. Let me tell you, Richard. You, you are the. You should be king. Well, Eleanor tries to do the exact same thing. <laughs> to Gloucester. Only Gloucester goes, no! <laughs> yeah. Stop Gloucester. talking Gloucester. to dead people! <laughs> Stop we it. had this discussion before. Necromancy is read. bad. So, it's not necromancy. You can't read tea leaves. <laughs> Thaumaturgy. No seances in the ne- house. Necromancy. It's a crime against God and the crown. Oh. Well, but if no one ever finds out, is it really a crime against the... Oh, they found out. Now I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, she. Oh, well, be. What I love, what I love about it, and we we skipped over this when Ryan was answering Cleopatra at the end of this. Um, but not only did they like seance with this spirit to get this prophecy about what happens to all these people, somebody wrote it down. Like, they had somebody transcribing what was <laughs> yes. said. Because there's a scene where Henry is reading the prophecies, and, like, Eleanor's trying to be like, can you, can you not read that? Can you, can you stop? Hold on, He's no. like, no, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going. Let me, let me, you uh, hired the stenographer. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna use the stenography. Yeah. Don't document your crimes against the crown. Don't you and personally? Yeah. yeah. Don't don't contract the documentation of the, your crimes against the crown. And God. It's ostentatious. <laughs> it's, it's it is quite ostentatious. Ostentatious. It is to make that kind of move. Bold. Would you say it was bewitching? <laughs> no, the the bewitching was what led her to being banished in the first place. Both body and so. So, we so really this, need to start that podcast. We do, this is real. not this is not Shakespeare though. If we don't talk about the agency of women, yeah. and we should with this play because there's some really awesome. Because yeah. we have two plays that have some strong. Ignore Joan Arc's last scene, one and she's strong woman in the first play. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. We have yeah. two plays though with some strong females. Yeah. Joan of Arc. Is amazing until like Act Four. Yeah, and so, then she falls. She goes off the rails. <laughs> she falls like the train so derails. The women that are peppered in to the beginning of the play are strange, and remind me of the scene in uh, Gladiator where like rich Roman women would come down to visit the gladiators. Like they just want Talbot because he's cool. I don't know. He's the probably women, hung like a donkey. I heard he missed by inches. Maybe. Maybe. Either way, there are weird random women who try to make grabs at power, but ultimately can't. But then the backdrop of that is Joan. This, this. Just like running around being a badass. This French, this French peasant. And she's, she's killing it. She fought the Dauphin, who may be terrible at sword fighting. We don't really know. <laughs> but he... I think it's funnier if he is terrible, where he's like, ah, I will only know that you're sent from God on a righteous purpose if you can beat me. And, he, like, he draws his sword and she immediately just, like, smacks like, it out of his hand. Like, he draws his sword and the scabbard goes flying across the yeah. floor. And... She, like, she, like, hits him once and he drops it and he goes, ah, yes. <laughs> you are sent it's, from God. He doesn't He doesn't believe that he's terrible. Like, he no, believes no, he's he a thinks- Amazing. Because everybody that he fights, he's the Dauphin, so they're all like lose to him 
on purpose. Except for that guy he sent tennis balls to the one time. That one but we time. Don't, we don't talk about he that. He sent some fucking tennis balls. <laughs> if you just would have done that. Daddy. 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 Oh, yeah. oh daddy. That, that can't have been him. That had to have been his, like, father. No. I want to, I want to believe it's the same. No, it's, it is the same. It's super it's old. It's Charles. It can't well, be the same guy. It can. Yes, it, can it is. Because, Charles the Dauphin. Because Henry V died very suddenly in his prime. He was not an old man when he passed away. No. No. Yeah. But and he's so, a month old up to fighting, fighting age. Still. Alright. He was married. He, okay. Daddy, all right, he, so he could have married Margaret of Anjou at fucking 12 or 13. That's true. Yeah. Alright. So into the second play, we've got Eleanor, mm-hmm. Margaret. Seminar. Margaret, the... The court bad talker. <laughs> Look, Margaret is... The mean, Margaret, the mean girl. What I like about Margaret is that she is a powerhouse woman character. She's also a very unlikable character. Oh, and, she is and, very unlikable. And people but. don't let that be true of strong woman characters a lot. Like, it becomes a whole a whole thing where if a woman's going to be a strong woman, she also has to be a likable woman. And if she's not likable, people are like, well, she's a bitch, let's dismiss her. And so I kind of she like that we have, yeah, we've got this like really strong female woman who is unlikable. Downright unlikable. You've got your Cersei Lannister. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to go with Lady Hormont. Oh. No, I no, love her. I'm not a beauty. My mother wasn't a beauty. I don't need to be a beauty. I rock the world the way I rock the world. No, I think she's definitely more of a Cersei. Cersei. She comes in guns blazing from the get-go. So mm-hmm. she's clearly on a purpose from her lover to become Well, she because she's sleeping with his other dude. Rule the king. And she's cuckolding her husband with the guy that she's been sleeping with so she can do what someone wants. Only person you can cuckold your husband with is mm. the person you're sleeping with. Well, no, but I mean, like, she was sleeping with Suffolk before she started, right. before she married. Right. So she is put into a position of power with an agenda. She rocks the agenda. Yeah. She does not suffer Eleanor. Oh, no. Eleanor comes in with this, like, I'm a badass bitch, and I'm going to get stuff done. And Margaret's like, are you fucking kidding me? This is my room. This is my court. This is my fan, and I'm dropping it. Get your necromancy <laughs> out of here. Still not necromancy. <laughs> Involves the spirits of the dead. It's necromancy. Put it in the body. Necromancy. Not in the body. Not necromancy. Spirits of the dead. Necromancy. She's a lich. Google. <laughs> She's a lich. A lich oh, is the spirit of a she dead. She turned me into a skeleton. I got better. I had some necto honey. Put flesh honey. Put it back on my bones. Please, everybody, read the delay list. Allison. <laughs> book I mentioned in the last one, Kill the Farm Boy, it makes all this necromancy. But yeah, so, the, no, we do, have, we do have some some great female characters, which is surprising for earlier works of Shakespeare. Yeah. So, all of the men in this play are running around, kind of... Especially in Like, like little wind-up dolls that you, you wind up a bunch of them and you put them on a table and you watch them just run into each other and fall down a bunch. Especially <laughs> in 6-2. It's like one of those, like, magnetic football games, you know? That, yeah, <laughs> just say, like, the yeah, table they're not vibrates. doing anything. They're just fighting at each other about roses, and it's dumb. And then the women are like, um... We're going to summon some ghosts and fuck shit up. I'm going to push you this way and see if... Oh, look, your sword went into him. <laughs> Good job! I got what Yay! I wanted! You won the day! What do you mean I have to go to the Isle Man? Great. Isle Good Man job. is beautiful! <laughs> Bye! Good job. So, the women have a lot of agency. They are not, however, portrayed yeah, as likable characters. Well, because Eleanor is not likable either. No. No. And at the beginning of... Her own husband doesn't even like her. At the beginning of uh, Henry 6-1, when they're talking about Gloucester taking over as regent, um, someone makes the comment of, your wife's sure gonna like that. She's super proud. And she does, and she is, but we don't see the result of that offhand. We don't comment. see that until six two, yeah. Until six two, and when she comes in, just like you had a dream about a staff breaking, you're going to be king, and everybody's going to die. What? Why? Why is that a thing? The way you said that is like all of a sudden she became Glados from Coral. 
It's a very obscure reference. I don't think it's that obscure. Well, yeah. I found all of my Portal games. I can't wait to play them with my kid. I love Portal 2. Portal 2 is so good. There's cake at the end if you win. The cake was a lie. No, I found the cake. You can find the cake. But, so yeah, so the moral of the story is that the women, I think, actually have more control on what's going on in this situation despite their lack of control in their own lives. Than the men. Have. Well, they they manipulate the situation incredibly because the men are dumb. They're all they're all too busy doing stupid shit, and the women are like, "I want this done," and they go, mm, "Hey, you, do this thing, do this thing," and the guys are like, "Yeah, that guy pissed me off. Sure, I'll do the thing." And the one yeah. capable guy, Talbot, is, had already got murdered. Is killed because of all of the other incompetent guys. Right. Everybody yep. else is looking at flowers. When the one guy out there doing his Little job, help, please. Little help, please. <laughs> the French are taking their studies back. Can you guys come help me? The one guy out there doing his job. No, no, because arguing about roses is more important. Way more important. So there is another pin. There is. It's best comments during Ryan's anti and Cleopatra slapdash. What did I say? I don't know. You just said you had a lot of things you wanted to talk about. Oh, so I put it yes. down. All right. You wanted so to talk about most of the stuff the I butcher? wanted. Right. There are hilarious. So one of the things that I love the most about Shakespeare is the constant dick and fart jokes that are always through them, but they're like rarely in the histories. We don't get to see a lot of dick and fart jokes, and somewhere at the end. For some reason, at the end of Henry VI, Part 2, he decided to add in dick joke characters. Just a bunch of them. Yeah, there's like an entire, like an entire scene. And they don't, they are akin to, like, the, the guys at the Boar's Head Inn. Mm -hmm. They're not there doing anything. They don't have any purpose to the plot. Was Sir John Falstolf there? No, not in this Fastolf? part. Fastolf. 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 Yeah, Sir Pitt. John. Yeah, Mr. Pibb. Mr. Pibb there? <laughs> Mr. Pibb was not there. But we get um, <laughs> Dick the Butcher, which I think is hilarious. I understand that not everybody thinks that Dick the Butcher is talking necessarily about penises. But. <laughs> Beth saw his name and she's like, ha ha, Dick the Butcher. butcher. <laughs> yes. Because we've got Dick the Butcher, we've got Smith the Weaver, we've got Sawyer, we've got, um, there was another one in Well, because of the great habit of everyone's named after their job. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, uh... I worry, I worry about Dick the Butcher being named after his job, though. And then uh, we've got a bunch of, a bunch of rebels in here as well. So he's kept these scenes consistent with the same players mm-hmm. for so long, and then all of a sudden, it was like, hey... We didn't get parts for the rest of the people who were in the menagerie. What are we gonna do? We need some, like, uh, we need some, we need some, we need a bar scene. Dick the Butcher and his friends will come in, say some slightly offhanded things that have no bearing on anything. Whatsoever. Well, and, and get the fuck out. And this is, this show has the largest cast of any Shakespeare play. Yes, it is huge. You cut out half of them though. Oh, yeah. Easily. And should. Yeah. Like, because when, cast is, yeah, when cast Norton is. splits up the uh, the persons of the play, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different categories of characters. Yep. Um, there is a specific category for the conjuration. Mm. Um, the necromance. The necromance. The necromance. Still not necromancy. No. And like at at the, the end. Most fun way to say it. At the end, it's like others, like all of these other people who That's don't fit you're, into you're, any you're of the categories. Dick Butcher and everybody else. No, they're part of the Cage Rebellion. Oh, yeah. That's right, because, yeah, there's the well, Rebellion they're gonna guys. They're going to break in and break somebody out of prison, and they're going to do a small heist. Well, because fucking Plantagenet gets Cade to have this rebellion so that he can go stop it, and he's not even the one who stops it. Right. 
There is a poorly planned heist in the middle that involves a bunch of random people for no reason that have funny names. And I think that's why they stuck in my head more than that. Well, of course. No, and, you know, and I I wasn't trying to stop, but I was trying to get through the plot. I understand. No, no, absolutely. But I to talk about them because they're this weird blob of ink on the page of why did we... Why are these guys here? Did we really need Act 4 to get up to 10 scenes? <laughs> it, was, it a, was it a thing we, we needed He that? was trying to set a record. <laughs> well... And then he wrote Anthony and Cleopatra. I was going to say, he was trying to set a record, but this is like the third play he's ever written, so... Mm. Yeah, it was, a, it, was yeah. A, it was a young, it was a baby record. Yeah, yeah. It seems tough. That that slapdash run through was wonderful, and it is actually. All you I can't wait till I, I can't wait till I actually listen to it because I some of the things that I said I'm sure I don't remember. Clifford the big red dog. I do remember Clifford and young Clifford, and the, and the smaller, Clifford. Big smaller big red dog. And there's with the cave rebellion. There is a wonderful scene in a garden where Kate dies. Yes. That has a lot of meaning. Blah, but it doesn't do anything for the plot. The entire plot of the show. The Kate Rebellion is pointless to the entire plot of the show. Right. Because yeah. the guy the guy who set it up to make himself look good isn't even the guy who ends it. Because Richard sets it up so that he can fucking... So we already had three plots. We had a main plot, two subplots, and now we've thrown in... A third what plot in the middle of it. I'm going to start using that instead of like ABC plot, like main plot, subplot, and what plot? What? The what plot? The what plot? The why is this character? Is is this character going to show itself again? Well, these characters do show themselves again when he writes a better play later in Henry IV. And it's called, their names are Nim and Bardolph and Pistol. Right. And not Dick the Butcher, which is sad. Which is sad, yes, because if he was going to carry over a name, it should not have been John Falstolf. <laughs> Falstolf. Falstolf. should have been Dick the Butcher. <laughs> but he is a cowardly knight. Yeah, well, yeah, because Mr. Pibb is in Henry VI Part One, and clearly... <laughs> What he's he's in trouble for doing the same the shit same thing and that his Falstaff name is, is doing. So I, I as I was reading the play, I, I read you know skimmed over, and now we have to talk to Sir John Fastolf, and I like my brain did a hiccup, and I was like, wait, hang on. Well, that's why I keep screwing what? up his name because I, it's so when, close. When I read yeah. the play, I read it as Falstaff. I was just like, oh, Falstaff. Huh, that makes sense. Wait. <laughs> No, it doesn't. And he's it, been he's been dead no, he's for been three dead plays. For, yeah, he's been dead for years. And then I got here. I'm like, oh, John Paul says in this is early play, huh? Early play. Wait, I didn't too many Henrys. It's fast. It's fast. Fast off. Yes, and I keep screwing it up because I'm like in my head, all I can think is Falstaff. Yeah, because it's like proto Falstaff. Yeah, after, it's the first the first swing at it. Yeah, I'll say after doing. This history run, this in-depth history run we've done on this particular series, I can probably name a lot more of the kings of England in order. <laughs> Yay! I didn't need to buy that ruler ruler when we were in London. <laughs> I could have just read these books. Well, Richard won. Uh-huh. Richard two. Right. Well, Henry four. four. King John was... In between okay, Richard sure, 1 and 2. Sure yeah, but first it did break him out, I think. Sure he was. So Richard, anyway, Richard, so Richard 1, Richard 2. Richard 1, John. John, Richard 2, Henry 4, Henry 5, Henry 6, Richard... No. Yes. Richard 3. Yes. There, those are the Shakespeare kings in order, but there are some yes. more in the middle. I was going to say, there's somebody in between... Henry like six. King King John, from King John to Richard II, there's like there's, five there's more five, kings. like five kings. Good, but actually, when a lot of I these got... are chronological. Yes, yes. Because now, Richard Richard II goes straight into Henry IV. Yeah, when you get to the Henry, Henry ad, five, that's, that's goes straight into Henry VI. Goes straight into Richard III. It's good that I bought that ruler ruler then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's mostly the gap between Richard One and and the Henry ad and the Henry ad. Because there's a lot in between um, King John and Richard II. All right. Like five, five or six kings. Five or six generations, there's yeah. There's one more pin up there. 
Oh no, that's that's leftover. That's is it leftover? What what is the, the Shakespeare, Shakespeare scale, scale of dumb? dumb? Yeah, we had briefly mentioned that last play this, that we did. So, sh- I'm, but I think, well, I gonna, but well, I think we that's actually, gotta, we've got to save this. I think for once we've read more, like that way the we whole everything, and then we can. Put I, them well, on. I think we could definitely add to the Shakespeare scale of dumb after reading these two plays, yeah. Yeah. because I think. But to put them all in order, we're, I think Plantagenet and Somerset <laughs> definitely. Somebody's eventually in the future gonna be like, "Have you even read all the Shakespeare's?" And be like, "Yes," and I create a scale of dumb for them. <laughs> I was like, "You can actually listen to me talk about how I've read all of the <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare yeah. plays." Yeah, there is. Or I can just do that for you now. <laughs> Hold on. Um, We're gonna Anthony and Cleopatra the entire work. So there is a Shakespeare trivial pursuit. That's called the complete works of Shakespeare about that, yes. It is not out in the United States yet. It is only in Britain, but I am going to find a way to get us a copy so that we can play Shakespeare trivial pursuit because eventually we'll need a bye week. And I've got Shakespeare Munchkin. I've got a Shakespeare Deaths game. Yeah, and we've got Bard's Dispense Profanity. So we'll have a Shakespeare game night. Well, we'll just sit around and play Shakespeare board games as long as they're not too long. Like, no Shakespeare Monopoly. I swear to God, Ryan, I, I cannot be friends with you and play Monopoly. We, we learned this one the hard way. No lights, only fire. <laughs> That's pretty much what I remember playing Monopoly with you in my dorm room. There no was lights, only There was only, only fire. fire. You flipped the board. It was awful. Stand- Somebody has to flip the board, otherwise you haven't played Monopoly. Standing over me, throwing money at me. <laughs> a pay use, use this to pay your goddamn part place. It was the worst. It was the best of times. No, it was the worst. Of times. It was pretty much just the worst of times. So, have we have we exhausted Henry? I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, there's there is some we, good material in here. Yeah, there is some great. I suggest everybody read Henry the Sixth Part Two, um, and skip the other one, <laughs> unless you're really into Joan of Arc. In which case, <laughs> read the first four acts and then quit. I'm gonna say, read until she gets arrested. Don't read the scene right before she. Oh my bites god! It. Yeah, because yeah, then she turns into like as Beth put earlier, Mole Flanders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. If you know who Mo Flanders is, I suppose. Not everybody gets that reference, I, I, oh. I guess. Not everybody's read through the Western canon because they really thought that that's what people in college did. I spent all of high school reading through the Western canon because I wanted to be able to speak intelligently when I got to college, only then to find out that but, no one else has read Defoe's Mo Flanders. You should. It's wonderful. <laughs> also a little schematic. Oh yeah, it's 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 racy. It's racy. Yeah. Look, I look. I know Mall Flanders. You don't have to get. You know. You don't have to tell me about it. Chase has no idea what the fuck we're talking about. No. No. There is. uh, Allison Kingston did a wonderful version of Mall Flanders that you can just watch, and that's good enough. Yeah, there's a there's a good film. If you watch the pen version, what's her name? She married uh, Buttercup. Yeah, it's uh, it's Princess Buttercup. Prince of Butter. If you watch the Princess Buttercup, Robin version, Wright, Robin Wright Penn. Well, it's not Robin Wright Penn right. anymore. If you watch that version, it is the same as watching the Keira Knightley version of Pride and Prejudice. It doesn't count. It's not good. It may be pretty. She bewitched him with her whatever the fuck. Body and soul. Body and soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bewitching whatever the fuck. Body and soul. She's gonna slam it. <laughs> she she about wrecked house. She she almost flipped the table. I now know. All right. So to make Ryan lose his shit, you just need to say Devere wrote Shakespeare. <laughs> to make Cassie lose her shit, you need to just say she bewitched me. But you bewitched me, body and soul. Instead of against my better judgment, I must tell you how ardently I love and admire you. So that is now known. Now I just gotta figure out what I gotta say to make you flip your shit. Because you're too like calm all the time. I'll make you a list and you get back to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Give me a list of things that make Chase fly. Look, out. I can I can return in kind. God damn it, Margaret of Anjou. <laughs> 
Don't worry, Chase, I'm with you. I'll be your loyal me... Humphrey, <laughs> Lord Protector, Duke of Gloucester. I'm worried that that makes me Suffolk. You're Suffolk. Oh, yeah. Because that's Margaret of Anjou, and you're Suffolk, and I'm Humphrey, and he's Henry the Sixth. When you were much younger, I was like, you should go meet this Chase guy. Kind of. No. That metaphor breaks down very quickly. It does, mm. especially since I'm not sleeping with you. No, let's keep it that way. Yes, please. All right. Anyway, it still happened. Anyway, this is the Shakespeare podcast. I'm Beth Roars. Are we just going to be out of order? For you, the whole you, thing? you guys yeah. already fucked it up. So. I'm Beth Roars. That's Cassie Greenley. That's Chase Greenley. That guy over there is Dingbat. <laughs> All right, have, have a good night, folks. Say good night, John Boy. Good night, good night John, John Boy. Boy. What, Paul? Oh, dicks. Ah, dicks. Oh, dicks. <laughs> All the dicks. Dick the Butchers. <laughs>